Today, we sit down with Jeff Booth to discuss his vision on why Bitcoin makes the world a better place. We think that this is a fantastic episode for people that might be new to Bitcoin and want to understand just how important the impact will be of Bitcoin on humanity. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Layer. I'm Nick Batia. Today, we have the honor of bringing back Jeff Booth. He is a technology entrepreneur, the author of Price of Tomorrow. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us once again. No problem. Great to see you again, Nick. Great to see you too, Jeff. I want to make this episode focused on why Bitcoin makes the world better. I think you are perfectly positioned to help guide our audience we might have a lot of new members of the audience, especially that are looking to learn about Bitcoin in this post ETF era. What is Bitcoin here for? And what does an ETF really have to do with Bitcoin helping the world? So maybe let's just start there. What does the Bitcoin ETF approval have to do with Bitcoin helping humanity? How do we connect those dots? Do you mind if we start somewhere else um, in 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 this and then go to ETF? Absolutely, uh, because because I think it, I think it's critical um, to to base uh, base this conversation. Um, first first of all, I think this is the most profound shift humanity's ever seen. I think it's more profound than the internet. I think it's more profound than any invention uh, humanity has ever created, and and the inventions that we create. And the experience we live in our world are as a result of all of our ideas competing to be able to be found and they build on top of each other. So it's logical that things would move faster and faster in time because we solve problems and then we move faster in time. And so that kind of the word we use for the, the, those inventions is technology, which is really just ideas that we create that serve us and serve us better. The Bitcoin layer is proud to be sponsored by River. Go check them out today at river.com slash TBL for a special offer of up to $100 worth of Bitcoin for free when you sign up. Now, River is a Bitcoin only exchange. We believe them to be the best in the business and they do not use a third party custodian. They have their own multi-signature solution, a one-to-one -one situation. That means that there's no leverage going on Whatever Bitcoin they purchase is held in this multi-signature solution. Zero fees on recurring purchase orders as well. River.com slash TBL. Um, so that's where I'd like to start. I'd like to start that uh, that why would this uh, why would this invention or discovery make us uh, uh, change the course of history in in the future? Um, and. And you know my thesis, but uh, but um, I would say it's not a thesis. It's there's evidence for it everywhere if people if people look. But the um, pr uh, prices fall to the marginal cost of production. Technology is deflationary, or or a better way to say this is um, the natural state of a free market is deflation. In short times, you can have inflation supply chain constraints or something, but the natural longer term course is deflation because we solve problems and we solve things that were once scarce and we create business opportunities from them by solving those problems to reduce the price and, re and create um, more value. 
And we've done it our entire, through entire lives as humans, our entire uh, human history. Um, and the output of that is deflationary because we don't also on the other side of the, so that I'm talking about the entrepreneurial process on one side that, which is trying to capture more value in a free market and provide value to other people. But on the purchaser side or the user side, we only think use things that give us more value. So it's logical that as more value comes to us, that more that we would use those things and that reduces prices. And so <clears throat> for human history, that is always butted up against a system that is inflationary, because if you can take, if you can steal that productivity, even slowly, 2%, 1%, then that means you have a hidden tax, a hidden theft on top of all society where you get richer while you're stealing that productivity from flowing to society. And there's never been something that could resolve that conflict because, because gold would, could get centralized. Other, uh, other assets would get centralized and they would build fractional systems on top to carry on that theft. Um, and, and it's natural because human nature is natural. If you could, essentially, if you could control money and, and get a free tax on human productivity, then you would. Right. And you see that repeat through, through history and you see out, out of that repeating through, uh, through histories, wars are fought, um, to be able to reset this, the structure and control the money so that the new person can have the, the theft of the productivity. And so we believe that society can't run with, uh, with, um, without theft and money in it. Right. So there's a large, there's a giant belief around the world that inflation is required for a productive economy. And no one's asked the question why, because really what it says is theft is required to trade with people. It doesn't seem very, it seems if you built a world like that, where theft is required to trade with people, then theft would expand. And so that's the world we live in right now. And we're measuring that wor the world from the world, creating the theft. And so it's concentrating, it's getting worse and worse. And people are largely, there's a bunch of conspiracy theories within that because they see that problem visible to everyone. And there's no solution from the system creating the prob problem. Bitcoin is outside of that system. And, and it has no counterparty risk to that system. It's rebuilding a new system in parallel that, that is just an honest ledger. And so that honest ledger, what's, what's happening. And, and I'm going to say, say this, I've say it all the time, but if it stays decentralized and secure and hard, hard capped at 21 million, as it, as I think it's inevitable that it does, then no matter what we do, no matter what, it is imposing new rules on the world that mean prices fall to the marginal cost of production and the free market is deflationary. And so you don't have to believe in that statement, um, but it's happening to you anyways. So if you don't hold Bitcoin, your prices are going up. If you denominate in Bitcoin, all prices are coming down and they will forever. And so 
so what that would look like, and if you just think about what, where we are, um, you could tie this into the Fermi paradox. You could tie this into a whole bunch of things, but where we are as a society is we're building a society that, that, um, when we explore space, we won't be doing it in these bodies because the time and space is too, uh, too long. We're, we're entering a time where technology will do that job for us. And we might insert our consciousness into that technology, but technology robots and, and AI will do the heavy lifting on, on a bunch of that. And we're entering a time where all of that work, all of that work is deflationary and it gets more and more deflationary. It gets, uh, it gets, it gets exponentially. So as, as, a, as a result and what, and, and so we're into a singularity type event where us as the labor component of this, of our, of our markets is reduced. And if us as a labor component of the, uh, of the markets is redu reduced and prices don't fall, then as a logical conclusion, then somebody has to control us. So you either concentrate all of the, all of the wealth up into a, a number, a certain number of people that control everyone else in modern day slavery, or you let prices fall. And Bitcoin is, and Bitcoin is imposing that. And it doesn't really matter. Like, that's why I say, you know, my house fell by 270 Bitcoin in the last three and a half years. Like, the cost of the house fell by 270 Bitcoin in the last, uh, so, it, uh, so, so my, um, I can buy 10 houses for what I could buy one house for three and a half years ago. And so you can see all prices on everything are falling, like I would like, like I'm saying, but the only thing measuring that is, um, is Bitcoin. So that, what that means is, is, is technology moves faster and faster. And as a byproduct should be saving us more and more time. And we should have more and more freedom as a result of more and more time. Then, um, then that, then that is happening but it's only happening if you're measuring from Bitcoin, not measuring from the system that's, that's essentially stealing from you. So when we talk about the reduction of theft in the context of trade, what you're saying is that Bitcoin doesn't, if you, if you value and denominate your own wealth or labor in Bitcoin, what you're not allowing is for the theft class to remove your excess time from you. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, so again, people will go and, and people think it's just the theft class doing it and they forget that they actually have a role in it too. Because if you're not, if you're, um, if you're saving in that, let, let's use a, a real example. To, uh, today. So people are trying to s stop their money from being debased by making more money and they'll invest in Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, essentially the Magnificent Seven. And if you took the Magnificent Seven out of the stock market, it would be highly negative. Um, and so, but people think it's positive because they're, and, and if you just invest those, it's, 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 it's positive. Um, so what are they doing? They're saying, 
if I hold my money in the bank, I'm going to lose money because money is designed to lose money. So I need to place it somewhere else. I'm going to place it in these companies, or I'm going to place it in my pension fund that if the pension fund goes broke, then, then I can't pay my bills when, when I retire. So the pension fund puts money, my money in those assets at the same time, those assets on, on the consumer side are removing labor to reduce price and give us more. So we use those companies at an ever increasing rate because they give us more value. At the same time, those companies are, are using technology to reduce labor, to give us more. And if they didn't reduce labor, we wouldn't use them because the cost would be too high. So, so, so on one side of us, we say, well, why don't you hire more people? Why don't you do this? Because, but we don't want that to happen because we wouldn't use the, we wouldn't use the company. And on the other side, we're funneling more of our money into those companies because it's one of the only places you could protect against devaluation. Or we're doing the same thing in housing. We are, not everybody else. We are. Or we have to put our money in housing because if we don't, we're getting deval our currency is being devalued. So that housing attracts a monetary premium that hurts somebody else, that steals from somebody else because their rents go higher and higher. And then the jobs are going away anyways. And instead of letting prices fall, then we turn to government and we say, government, you have to solve the housing crisis. You have to create more housing units and you should spend more money and you should make up more monetary units to be able to solve this for those people. And all of the people at the bottom vote for, and, and it, it, it's, it's crazy, it is crazy but we're part of that problem. So you have a whole bunch of free market people that say they believe in free markets, but they only believe in free markets. I'm not it's talking Bitcoiners here. I'm talking most people who believe in free markets and think there's a free market inside the market that's being manipulated. They only believe in free markets when it serves them and they're, and they're able to steal more money because there is no free market with manipulated money. And, and so, so, and, and you can see this, you can see it perfectly clear because when the banks, if the banks would fail, or if you're too big to fail, you're, you have inside ball on the financial system. And so you go as fast as you can to get to be too big to fail and you create distortion and further and further distortions in the market. And so, and then to further, um, kind of put a foot stomp on that. Um, we don't see it in ourselves and we vote for people effectively left or right that effectively are saying, we're going to steal more money from you, but we're going to distribute it differently. And, and it gets worse and it gets worse. And there is no solve from the system creating the problem. So every one of our actions spent inside that system, measuring from that system, trying to get enough money for ourselves and our families is actually making that system more fragile, ripping us apart as a society, creating a divide in society. And we're part of it. We're making it stronger. And, and so, so if people actually could see what that was actually doing to them, they can't, they don't, they don't know that it's doing that to them. 
because they'll either everything I just said, by the way, is true, right? Free market is deflationary. Um, price follow the marginal cost of production, and then people will go, "Yep, yep, totally," and carry on right back to what they've been doing. How do I make enough money in it? to be able to save my family or protect my family, or who should I vote for within it to, to hurt the other guy and save my, even though, you know, inside it, everything is based on the lie that hurts, it hurts other people. And so all of the time, all of the time that it's sucking your attention into that makes it stronger and hurts you more. Jeff, you, there are a couple things that I want to dissect there. I want to, I want to know how you believe Bitcoin as a system because it's, it is the only thing that's outside of this problem and this problematic system. So how does Bitcoin ultimately change the face of government longer term? I want to know yeah. your thoughts there. But before before so, that, Jeff, one thing yeah. I wanted to say is you have just articulated something that I've struggled to find the words for for many years, which is why the the Q, basically the, the Magnificent Seven, as you say, or maybe the NASDAQ 100, the triple Qs, however you want to classify this elite technology corporate uh, class of companies, why does it seem like owning these tech companies is the only way with outside of Bitcoin to actually escape the devaluation of the currency itself. And what you're saying and what you've articulated is that these tech companies are the entities that are able to capitalize on reduced labor and the deflationary nature of technology itself. They're the masters of tech. Therefore, they're the ones that can harness the deflationary cycle of letting uh, the production cost fall. And in that way, they become the best investment within this broken system. Can you can you start there? And yeah, Nick, that's that's why I wrote my book, because the same people that what I was doing as a technology founder was that. And you could see it and I couldn't understand why prices were still going up everywhere if technology was a base layer of everything you did. And, and in seeing that I had to go against in writing the book, effectively all of the other technology leaders that I knew, because they were by contributing to that system, especially if you said you were against Bitcoin and contributing to that system, essentially you're up at the top you're, you're getting the highest rate of theft from everyone else. And, and that's, that's a hard thing to say, right. To like, some of these people are friends of mine. Um, and you're going against, uh, um, but it's also true. There is an, it, it's, and, and, and so, and it's not that these, some of these people are bad people. They just don't see it or they're, they willful blindness. And you can tell yourself I'm saving the world. I'm, I'm doing my part because I'm trying to drive prices down. I'm doing my part to say, and, and if you didn't do that, your shareholders would not get returns. And if your shareholders didn't get returns and a pension fund failed, that would hurt create. So from that system, 
they're doing what they should do. It's just, now here's the beautiful thing. Bitcoin has outperformed every single one of them and by quite a significant margin and will continue to do. So if you're in Bitcoin, you're repricing them anyways. Um, and, and, and will continue. And the more people that understand Bitcoin and the faster people move to Bitcoin, the faster that repricing will happen to all of them. Okay. So let's go now to the idea of Bitcoin changing governments in the future, uh, because yeah. I, I, I want to know your, your thought process here. So, so, and again, I, I, I say if it stays decentralized and secure, um, I I suspect and, and almost with a certainty, but I, I I always leave a small probability out, um, maybe that maybe an unknown unknown that I don't see, but but uh, uh, why I say if it stays decentralized and secure is primarily because I want most people listening to do their own work on why why it will stay decentralized and secure. To understand the protocol and why and on why it's designed for that but so if it stays decentralized and secure then then it isn't negotiating with anybody it's imposing that free market and by imposing that free market what that means is if governments are manipulating their money then inside of the monetary unit they're they're, they're manipulating you will see inflation you will see you might see really high inflation but in Bitcoin, prices will still continue to fall. And so that relative value, and imagine, imagine you um, were buying your, uh, your, your building a business and using US dollars versus Venezuelan dollars, right? And you could see what I'm talking about. Now imagine that US dollars are also losing value, but you could never see that because you were measuring them against all other currencies, which were losing faster. But now you can see it in Bitcoin. You can see US dollar is losing value too. <laughs> it's just you losing it at a different rate. And so, so this is, this is, this is why, and as people start to understand this, more and more people will start to, to move into Bitcoin and store their energy there. And that what it relates to governments is governments will be forced to get smaller to provide services to, uh, to, the, uh, to their countries. Governments will be in service to you instead of stealing from you is what it will look like. And there will be a global competition for talent and capital, just like there is today in the fiat world. Um, and so if you, if you wanted a, a visa somewhere, if you wanted a golden visa somewhere, if you have enough money, you can go anywhere you want, right? And, and there'll be a global uh, talent race for talent and capital and Bitcoin as well. And there'll be governments that will essentially restore the individual rights and freedoms of people because it'll be lucrative to do so because those markets move faster and more value is created there and people will move to those regions. And, and there'll be some governments that are, that are going to fight this and they're there and, and tax it outrageously or try to stop it. Everything you can think of from a system that relies on theft, you have to, uh, will happen. Expect everything. Expect, I am not discounting how hard the existing system is going to fight against this because it steals money to, to keep it solvent. I'm, I, I'm just 
saying, you don't have to play that game. You can, and the more time you spend in the honest system, the faster, and, and the more of your time you spend moving over to the honest system, the faster the honest system will take place and the faster governments will be forced to listen to their, their, uh, their citizens rather than, than steal from them. Do we need governments to shrink and to embrace Bitcoin for this transition to happen? Or can it happen without Bitcoin havens and Bitcoin jurisdictions? Can it happen in within the halls of the internet and continue to drive change? My question maybe stated another way is what if you're not optimistic about any particular jurisdiction fully coming around to embrace uh, Bitcoin? And maybe are there some jurisdictions that you're optimistic on? Um, I'm optimistic in, the, in uh, the human spirit of it. So every time you create um, a, a, and we go in waves, right? So, uh, so every time you create an incentive around essentially like this cheating, it creates a stronger pull for somebody to break the cheating, right? Creates actually a market for people to, so let's say politicians are getting elected and they're today, many are elected because they're better at cheating and they're funded by those same companies to be able to tell you a lie. Um, and so what do you think they're going to vote on? What is it going to look like? Is it for you or against you? And so most people are looking through the media landscape at that, but, but Bitcoin, it, like, look at what's happening in Bitcoin alone, every single node. And when I say node, I mean, you, I mean, me, I mean, this podcast that could touch a million people and then have an, um, 200 new nodes, a thousand new nodes, a million new nodes of us that are talking about the same thing that are expanding it around the world. And the more divide there is, and the more chaos there is, and there are more lies there are to be able to feed the existing system, the faster the new one grows. And what you can see, and, and you're probably the same as I am here, and we're probably the same as many other Bitcoiners, you start off um, as a, hmm, I, that's interesting, curious, but then a skeptic. This, there's no way this could be this. And you go deeper into, and as you're trying to prove your skeptic, prove your skepticism, you become more convinced. As you become more convinced, you, you, you self custody, you start investing more into the system. Your podcast is a really good example of you investing your own personal time in the system to talk to other people. And then some of those people become more, they go through this transition, they become uh, more convinced. So that time and what, and you, what you know of this and what I know of this is spending my time inside that ecosystem with the best and the brightest inside this ecosystem is a really high return on my time. It's the, it's, it's the best, it's some of the best, smartest people in the world inside this and, and high, high integrity. Um, I don't have to agree with everybody on everything, but, um, but high integrity, uh, kind of building a world that they want to see. Try to turn that off, right? No, like, are you ever going to go back? I'm not. I know what my node is going to vote for, right? And and as more and more nodes uh, come on, so 
So you can see that it is us. Bitcoin is us. It's actually encodes the best of us into a system that we participate in the best for for the best for us. And so what I just said there is is, is even deeper. And I, we talk about what are the good things about Bitcoin. I th I think the best thing over time is by writing this wrong in the market that we never have been able to write. It actually brings a higher level of consciousness to society. It, Jeff, I could talk to you for hours. Um, there, there is so much truth in what you say about identifying the world that you want to live in and, and pursuing that and the integrity that you see in, in people in Bitcoin, the, the reason that I'm in Bitcoin and why I'm never going back is because I saw the fed engage in too big to fail and quantitative easing. And I was fully inside that world. I mean, literally trading yeah. us treasury securities and us treasury repo agreements and seeing the inside of the system. And it was years later that I discovered Bitcoin. And then I was the skeptic that I, I said, this can't be true. And then the light bulb moment was understanding basically how hashing works and the, and the mechanics of, of how to chain blocks together on Bitcoin. And that preserves the decentralized ledger. And we are all the nodes that are uh, viewing that it is decentralized. So I really, I mean, I, I want to echo what you're saying about never going back because once you see it and you've identified it as a problem for humanity, if it is your desire to seek a better world, then you can't go back. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's my experience with this, Jeff. And, and think about now to today. So you, your first question was the, the ETFs and, and what that does. So, so what the ETFs will do is, um, and let's, let's first play game theory and what could happen there. Um, so, and, and, and I think not just game theory, but we have to assume the, in a system that is essentially 10,000 times bigger than Bitcoin. And most people haven't less than 1%, re, I would say 1% of 1% understand this the way we're talking about it right now, but less than 1% really understand Bitcoin. Then 99% are trapped into a system that they're making stronger with their actions. And they don't know some of the stuff we're talking about right now. And then you have, um, and then you have a bunch of Bitcoin or in, in Bitcoin that once you believe it feels like a religion, it's not a religion, but once you believe it, and it, that's repelling to a whole bunch of others, right? Because, because you, you want, um, you're not meeting them where you are, where they are, uh, they are, you're meeting them where you are and you're in a different spot than you were even three years ago or two years ago or one year ago. And you believe they should just know everything, you know, and they don't. So now what would that system look like if 99% of the people that are there and then you had, and you had massive um, ability to, and if the system could go on, it needed to fractionalize, right? And it needed to create same, similar to what they did with gold and create, I'm in control of money, 
how could you potentially do that? Right. You could bring on an ETF at the same time as Elizabeth Warren and everything else. We're trying to make Bitcoin self-custody illegal. And a lot of people would be afraid of that and they would race into a store of value that wasn't really decentralized and secure. It was held by somebody else. And if those parties could gain enough of that Bitcoin, a massive amount of this, then, then you'd have a paper Bitcoin market. But now think about what will happen as a result of that. So, so is that a, is, is that something to be afraid of? And I don't, I'm not afraid of it at all because the byproduct of that happening would mean if people were afraid and there was leveraging on Bitcoin and short Bitcoin to try to suppress price, then what that would mean is more of us would buy and bring it to self-custody because there, this is a, this is something, this insight in the world changes the world because it w works different than anything that has existed ever before. And the insight that you can self-custody and protect yourself completely as the price falls, more and more people will take those coins off and put them in self-custody, which will leave very little on exchanges or anything else to play the leverage games, which it means at some point, if that whole game was designed and if it was, I'm not saying it is, but if it was, then what, what it would mean is a major financial institution will get li liquidated and you would have a corresponding price action in Bitcoin that would go through the roof. And when I say price action, I'm talking about measured in fiat currency. I always measure everything else by Bitcoin rather than, than, than a fiat currency, but in, in measured against that fiat currency, you would have a massive rise and it's inevitable that it happens at some, at some point, if those games are going to get it played, then the inevitability of the self-custodial option of Bitcoin will happen. So I haven't, there isn't anything that I've ever seen yet that, that I'm fearful that Bitcoin, um, could lose its decentralized insecurity. And if I, then I carry that forward and I see what's being built now on a stable and secure foundation, essentially bedrock of a new internet, peer-to-peer -peer internet tied to money. If you see what's being built on top, it would blow your mind, right? Um, and, then, and then you see regulation and stuff trying to, trying to talk about, or trying to stop the asset layer or trying to confuse the asset layer which is only one aspect of this. And so, so, so in other words, they're five, 10 years too late to do, to do this. So that innovation that's moving onto the second and third layer through lightning and Fediment and, and others is going to, um, and it's going to start this year. It's going to explode. So in, in lightning in the last two years, we've had 20,000% growth. Um, and, and as more and more use cases are being built on top and other entrepreneurs are racing to this stable and sound foundation that they can build other value to a ton of value is just going to move, move into this uh, space. And it's, it's unstoppable. If it were, it's potentially, you could slow it down in your own country, but it would be like North Korea slowing down the internet in their own country to, to a disservice of their citizens and they end up losing as a result. And so as, as more and more people start to understand this and, and instead of being 
a hedge against this system, realize, wow, it's repricing everything else, and I'm going to invest more of my time in the new system, the rate of change will change faster. Jeff, you, you say uh, that we're seeing technologies being built on top of Bitcoin. So let's explain for the new audience protocol, a little bit of internet protocol history. If we can, if we can summarize why the Bitcoin protocol is the next evolution in internet protocols and why it makes sense that things will be built on top of Bitcoin in a protocol stack or layered protocols, give us, give us that overview and sense of history of why Bitcoin, the protocol is, is the evolution, the innovation and, and the core, like you say, reshaping the internet itself. Yeah. So TCP IP, uh, the base layer of the internet protocol was designed in the late sixties. And one thing about protocols, they don't come around very often. Um, they're not companies, they're not technologies, they're protocol layer that other things are built on top of. And one of the things important to those protocols is they, they harden, they ossify. And so, and, and nothing can be done except for that narrow use case on that layer. Um, until, and, and, and so, so people mistake what the use case of the first layer is because it can't do very much. Right. And so, so TCP IP, which most people don't even know what it is, right. It's the base layer of the, uh, base layer of the internet. Um, and, and it took till, and when I say ossify, 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 and nothing else can happen on top, it took in, from 19, call it 1969, I think, uh, 1968, 1969, till 1989, till HTTP, the fourth layer of the internet. And then it took another 17 years for this to come out as entrepreneurs built on HTTP was the linking, the hypertext linking of different various web pages where you could get content. And I don't know if anybody remembers what the internet looked like in the nineties, right? There was a, uh, I was building companies there. So I would just remember, I remember the same thing happening at that time and people saying, oh, this is never going to work. Remember, this is when Paul Krugman said the internet's like a fax machine, right? 1998. Um, uh, no, no difference to their economy as a fax machine. And why is because he doesn't, didn't understand protocols and why, and, and he didn't understand that once you had this open communication and what would happen and the rate change, and then entrepreneurs would see value to be able to create something that didn't, couldn't exist before. And then consumers would see that value and go, wow, I can't, and it explodes. And so that's a world we live in and it changes over time. And the same people that were saying they would never use the internet. It would never be use it every day. Right. And, and, and you just even using this example on, on, on an iPhone, remember what you, you did before the iPhone, like you probably used a Blackberry and, and you would never have thought you would use a, a, a smartphone um, because it wasn't there. It didn't exist. So these things, they come into place and they provide a layer 
that then entrepreneurs can create other value. And then that value is described when those entrepreneurs create other value, you start to use that value because it provides you so much value. And so if you, if you said TCAPIP, what that looks like is it's built on top of broken money, right? So it's not tied to energy. It's tied to an idea about, and, and everything, the base layer of everything is you could call it energy. It's tied to an abstracted idea around what money is that I can manipulate money that this sits on top of. So obviously a system like that would concentrate that broken money into because, because the network effects on what the internet do provide massive speed and network effects. It would concentrate that broken money by virtue of not allowing prices to fall by the free of the market. It would concentrate it faster and faster into big tech, big government. Um, uh, yeah, and you'd almost have a, I don't want to call it a conspiracy, but they would be in co uh, in collusion to remain, to keep that monopoly. And all of the people under that monopoly would, would not see that all the media channels were owned by that same group. And all the government, all the people who got elected were only elected by that same, because all of the media that they were consuming would be telling them that story on why, um, why it should be like that. So 99% of the human population is inside that system. Bitcoin TCP IP or Bitcoin is, is by very nature of the incentives on, um, of mining, um, is, is the new internet tied to energy and other layers like lightning, lightning is a layer two, which makes some, which allows that to scale and do transactions anywhere in the world for fractions of pennies, um, peer to peer transactions, um, is another layer on top of, uh, Bitcoin. And so it does something different. And every 10 minutes, it aggregates all those millions of transactions and it brings it back down to the base layer. And, and so it allows scalability in a different way. And there's other, there's other technology, there's other um, layers that are being built right now. Fediment would be, Fediment would be one that offers different scalability uh, for different trade-offs that bring something just like, just like the protocol stack of uh, the internet that, uh, that, um, that completely reshape the world. And, and owning Bitcoin in self-custody would be like you owning a piece of the internet itself. Jeff, you recently went to Africa to uh, get involved in a Bitcoin conference over there to meet Bitcoiners and to see Bitcoin projects. Tell us about your experience, please. Yeah, and, and I, I, I think now I've traveled to 80-something countries, and what I would say at the highest level is all around the world, um, people are exactly the same or, or virtually the same. Same hopes, same dreams for their families. Most Many of those systems, many of the, the living conditions or what they put up with are atrocious. But when you actually, um, yeah, many, they're in oppressive governments or something else, but when you actually meet people, uh, who people are, 
it's it's virtually the same everywhere, which is really po positive. Um, if you think of what Africa looks like today from this system, if prices are supposed to fall, um, and and we have stable currencies and they don't, it's because those currencies are designed to fail. And in other words, they're pegged to the U.S. dollar, and there's no way out of a debt trap. So the IMF would go in and give them more debt, drive uh, drive certain rules to consolidate industry in, uh, uh, into that, which mostly favors the American or, or kind of Western countries to be able to steal more, revalue their, re revalue the, their dollars. So in other words, their labor gets cut in half or three quarters. And then we steal from them faster. And then we wonder why they might get on boats with their families and come over to the places that steal from them rather than live there. And, and so we are a part of that system. I, I again, it's hard to, if, if, if somebody's hearing this for the first time, they won't want to believe it. And one of the things that's so hard about Bitcoin is it forces you down this path to realize that's the world we live in. And that's so, so our success is designed from their failure. Our, the cobalt and our batteries for our electric cars wouldn't work unless we'd kept on revaluing their dollars down so that they made $2 a day in, in horrific living conditions. If the prices were, were to rise, the, it, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't make economic sense. So, so we, we turn a blind eye because it doesn't happen in our backyard but it is our backyard that actually creates it for them. So we are responsible. We are part of it. And then we throw aid organizations to get tax breaks that make it, make it typically worse, all while hiding from that crime. And so I wanted to go see for myself what people thought there and, and how Bitcoin is making a, uh, making a difference in people's lives. And what you'll see is there, it's actually making the same difference it is as to Bitcoiners here lives, and we're a globally connected community that's starting to understand this. And as those connections get stronger and stronger, there's more and more opportunity. I, like I can pay people that I met there right now in a lightning transaction <laughs> but, um, for a fraction of a penny. Um, and some of the talent uh, there, there is, is uh, extraordinary. Um, they are also doing, Gridless is doing Bitcoin mining. We, we went and visited Bitcoin mining and, and one of the things you, that happens all over Africa is you have these these white elephant projects that were funded by um, aid organizations putting uh, putting money, let's say a dam, and then the dam isn't connected to any of the any of the housing because the cost to connect that is uh, is, is too high. So the, the, they're paying a dollar or dollar fifty a kilowatt hour for electricity for the people that are and nobody can can afford that like um and so so gridless is going in a bitcoin miner is going in and essentially mining that same the same energy at night during the day when it's not in use and by doing by doing that and they might be paying two cents a, a, a kilowatt hour but it reduces the overall um the, the the overall capital cost or the overall um, operational cost of, of the business. So now the business can sell for 12 cents a kilowatt hour and connect way more people. So we saw a village um, that 
that had, I think it had 3000, it's a small village, 3000 uh, people connected to, I might have the number wrong. It might be 1800 and they're connecting another 1200, but, but who had never had electricity before. And, and they wouldn't have electricity unless there was Bitcoin. In which country was this? Jim? So uh, uh, that was in Malawi and, and their, uh, and, and their currency just got devalued. Uh, they make $2 a day average of $2 a day. Um, and, and their currency just got devalued by effectively half. And so, so now they make $1 a day. And, and by the way, you go to this village and some of the happiest people you'd ever seen and, and just beautiful people, but now they have electricity. Now they're now they, because they have electricity, now they have internet connection. Um, because of that, now they have health, they, they, they have health or medical, uh, medical, they have school for their children. They have, so, so these are big, big deals that, and Bitcoin is, is driving that because it's ever ending search for low cost energy. It's a market incentive to drive this around the world. And the byproduct of that market incentive is you heal the world. And that's why Bitcoin makes the world a better place. Jeff Booth, we are very lucky to have you once again at the Bitcoin layer, giving us your perspective and giving us technology history to help us understand why Bitcoin indeed makes the world a better place. So tell, uh, tell our audience, please, where they can find you and what to look out from your projects. Um, it primarily, uh, Jeff Booth is, uh, jeffbooth.ca is my website. I, I'd say if you find me on social media, make sure where you find me on social media is referenced there because there's just too many people, uh, too many scammers out there using, using my name. Um, and we also started a venture capital fund uh, where we're investing in, um, on top of uh, is essentially what we believe is we can have venture type returns on top of a venture type asset by helping investors build into this or helping on the best entrepreneurs in the world build in this space and provide the rails of, of commerce. And so that, uh, that venture capital company is called EcoDef Capital. Jeff Booth, once again, thank you for joining us and we'll catch everybody next time at the Bitcoin layer. Thanks, Nick. The Bitcoin layer is proud to be sponsored by River. Go check them out at river.com slash TBL for up to $100 worth of Bitcoin for free when you go sign up. River is a Bitcoin-only exchange. That means there is no confusion when you go there. Send your money to the exchange, buy Bitcoin, and withdraw it via Lightning Network like that. River.com slash TBL for a special offer.